Too much of anything is bad, but too much good whiskey is barely enough. Mark Twain. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the last dram. I'm going to be honest right from the outset. I really have no idea what I'm doing with this. But basically someone told me about this app on my phone that you could use to podcast. So I'm kind of giving it a test run. I also have a podcast studio that I want to start using to actually, you know, put together something a little more professional. But I thought I'd give this a try and I settled on a concept that seems tailor-made for something that's quick and dirty. And basically, I love whiskey. I drink whiskey a lot. I have a pretty good collection going. So when I get to the final dram of any bottle of whiskey that I'm doing, that's when I'll throw one of these up and talk a little bit about it, talk about my day, see where we end up. So that's why it's called The Last Dram. And again, I'm sure this sounds terrible, but forgive me, this is my first time doing this. First up, what we're finishing off tonight is the Tomatin 12-year single malt. It's a Highland whiskey aged in bourbon and sherry casks. Um, I want to say this was a birthday present from a couple years ago. I've kind of um, been... I take my time with whiskeys. Like, you go on the whiskey subreddits and you see people with, like, shelves full of whiskeys and cabinets full of whiskeys and that's fine I don't have a problem with that everyone can enjoy whiskey how they want to enjoy whiskey but man I just I think whiskey is made to be drunk so I like to drink the whiskey I have and then buy new whiskey <laughs> so that's why um, that's why that's my general philosophy on whiskey. So I don't like to, I don't like to sit on my stuff. I like to drink it. Um, mm. Oh, that's good. But anyway, this was a birthday present, and it's one of the two single malts I've got going right now. Um, the other is a twelve-year-old Lafroig, and. Trying to get into my Facebook account right now and it's being difficult. So bear with me a moment. Aha! There we go. So yeah, Tomatin, single malt, one of the two single malts I've got going on right now. Um, what can I tell you about the Tomatin Distillery? It's located in the village of Tomatin. It's in the Highland region. It's 25 minutes south of Inverness in Scotland. It's been around since 1897. And it looks like it went bankrupt in 1906, but reopened again in 1909. And then fell on some hard times in the mid-80s until the Japanese conglomerate Takara Shuzo took it over. And it's kind of been expanding from there. Um... I haven't been in the market for a single malt for a while, so it's going to be kind of interesting 
to kind of look around and see what other single malts are out there that I haven't tried yet. This one, I really liked. Um, it, it's light. It's not heavy. It's not an Isla, so it doesn't have the peat, so it's not smoky. And in general, it's just a really solid whiskey, you know? I have to look up my... In fact, I'll look up, I'll pull up my, um, my review and see what my initial tasting notes thought, see if they match up with what I'm getting now. Um, but in general, I drink anything. And while I see, I, I told you this was kind of a mess because I've never done this before. I've been kind of interested in doing a podcast, but I haven't really ever figured out what podcast that I want to do or the concept or anything because I like a bunch of stuff. So next time, this will be better organized, I promise. So <laughs> bear with me a little bit. Um, let's let's pull it up. So I reviewed this in... Whew, Dang, this has been kicking around my cabinet for a couple years now. So I reviewed this in September of 2017. Um, see what I thought here. Color, it's pretty light in color. As color goes, it's probably about straw gold. It's not very dark whiskey. It's not very heavy. Um... On the review, I said the nose was kind of unusual, and I think it still is. I said it it had notes of apples and pears with some kind of tree-grown orchard fruit and some kind of spice kind of underneath that, and I wanted to say nutmeg. So, apples, pears, and nutmeg. So let's, I'm going to do it. That's me probably overcompensating for the sound quality on this. Yeah, I would say I'm still kind of getting apples. Um, it's definitely kind of an orchard fruit. I think that still holds up. Um, it's been a couple years since I've really kind of taken a look at this, but um, it's nice. The nose is really nice on this. Um, in terms of the body, let's take a sip and find out here. It's nice. The viscosity on this is pretty good. It's nicely balanced, so it's not heavy and it's not syrupy, but it's not weak and watery either. It's kind of the sweetness of the fruit in it kind of hits you, and then you get kind of the spice at the back. Um, the finish is kind of the weak link in the chain I think the kind of spicy aftertaste isn't that great and it kind of lingers a little bit and the warming isn't you know it's just kind of there like you try whiskeys and you know sometimes it really kind of burns going down but then the warmth kind of just spreads right through you and it, it, it's good sometimes they're more gradual and gentle this one's just kind of eh, you know it's whiskey it's no big deal Originally, I gave this about three out of four. I think I probably graded it a little harshly. I mean, this is pretty solid for a single malt, but 
I'd say that's about right, really, even after all of this. So that's the Tomatin 12-year single malt. What else can I talk about about whiskey? Um, I suppose since this is my first episode doing this, I should probably talk about my general family history with whiskey. It's a family thing. My grandparents drank whiskey. My granddad was a kind of a Glen Morangy man. My dad kind of got older. He started getting into whiskey more and passed it on down to me. And so I'll try pretty much anything that's whiskey. Um, you'll see kind of in some upcoming episodes, we got some bourbons, we got some rice kicking around. Um, a big thing lately is that whenever we go somewhere on vacation, I like to try and get um, a local bourbon or a local whiskey that I can't get where I'm at in Iowa. Um, so that's, that's, that's my general philosophy on it, you know? I'll drink any whiskey. I'm not just a single malt person. I've had blended I've had, you know, rise. I've had organic light whiskeys. I've had all kinds of things, you know. Really, I think it's about what you enjoy and how you approach it. I mean, there's nothing wrong with just being a single malt person. There's nothing wrong with just doing bourbon or rye. It's, it's meant to be enjoyed, and that's really kind of my philosophy on the thing. I think people, when it comes to whiskey, uh, can get pretty serious about it overall, and... General, you know, I just like, I like putting my feet up at the end of the day, you know? I like, I like just having a, having a dram of whiskey, and, you know? It's, in this case, tonight, I'm listening to the rain. Um, I'm also saying um a lot, which is something I should probably work on if I'm going to really do this. Um... What else? What else is going on? What else have I been doing with my life? And in general, I'll talk a little bit about the whiskey. This is so terrible. <laughs> this is so terrible and spontaneous, and for that I apologize. So, in general, the flow of this is going to work a little bit like this. I'll talk about the whiskey that I'm finishing off. We'll talk about the taste, do kind of a mini-review. We'll talk about other stuff. And when I'm done, that's when the episode's done. When I'm done with the dram, I'm shutting it off. So after I've cleared cleared away our business, I might talk about whiskey-related things. I might just talk about, you know, what happened during my day, you know? Um, right now, I'm flying solo. Wife and kids are up visiting the mother-in-law for a night. I'm kind of glad they are because we're getting some nasty weather around these parts. Got a flash flood morning that came in over the phone, so I'm kind of glad they stayed up there. Uh, my agenda for tonight is to finish this whiskey, hop on the exercise bike, and go to bed. And then tomorrow I go go to work, and you know that's pretty much it. But you know, life is life. Whiskey's whiskey. Everything's good, depending on your point of view, I suppose. The big debate of the day, and I suppose I'll share this with the world here, centered around birthday cake flavor. What makes birthday cake flavor? What do you think of when you think of birthday cake flavor? Because 
every cake has the potential to be a birthday cake, but for some reason we seem to have settled on this idea of yellow or white cake with sprinkles as being birthday cake flavor. And it's really kind of interesting. This actually kind of revealed some interesting generational divides when we had this discussion today at work. Um, because in general, I think this is a fairly recent phenomenon. And I think there's evidence to back that up, but the working hypothesis on where birthday cake flavor comes from is this. Funfetti, confetti cake, whatever you want to call it, came into being in 1989 courtesy of the Pillsbury Company. Other people started doing their versions of it, and at some point in the early 2000s, it became birthday cake flavor. I don't know how. My theory is that when Momofuku in New York spun off the milk bar... Their big dessert, or one of their big desserts, other than the crack pie, which I've never had, but it looks amazing. But the Momofuku dessert that I think of, and if you go to the Milk Bar homepage, it's right there, is the layered confetti cake that they call birthday cake. So I think New York being what it is in terms of food trends, I think they grabbed that, pretty much made a layered funfetti cake, called it birthday cake, and then spat it back out to the rest of us, and that just kind of became birthday cake flavor. That's my working theory. I'm sure somebody else did it first, but the internet was not kind to me today, so what can you do, right? For some reason, right now, I am reading a whole bunch of stuff, kind of like I read multiple books at once. I don't know why. I think just to kind of keep give my brain a break. Um... I'm finishing up a collection of short stories by Lu Shishin, and if I'm mispronouncing that, I'm sorry. So I just started The Wandering Earth tonight. I might watch more of it when we're done here while I work out, um, but I'm excited for that. He's got a really interesting writing style, and it's I, I don't really do short story collections, so it's kind of an interesting experience to read kind of like a short story science fiction collection because that's not something I often do. Um, I have a collection of Flannery O'Connor short stories, and I read a couple of those, and whew, let me tell you, I, if that's the way people back in the 1920s spoke down in the South where she was from, good God, we've made a ton of progress in many ways in this country, because damn, there's more N-words in those short stories than in your average Wu-Tang album, like, all over the place. Holy hell. And that's okay, because Flannery O'Connor's a good writer, and I think she was reflecting the environment with which she grew up. And I'm looking at my bookshelves right now, and I don't know where that Flannery O'Connor book is. So, that's kind of a bummer. So, yeah, that's kind of what I'm reading. I'm kind of working my way through uh, The Baroque Cycle by Neil Stephenson, because those are three of his books I haven't read. I've got Michael Pollan's book, How to Change Your Mind, in the rotation as well, which is really interesting. Michael Pollan's a really good author for nonfiction just because it's so easy to read, I think, a lot of his stuff. So I'm really enjoying that at the moment. And uh, Netflix-wise, my big binge is Star Trek Voyager right now. I don't know how I got sucked back into Star Trek Voyager, but... I did, so there it is.
I'm also kind of trying to get going on the X-Files again because I had this thought a few months ago to kind of watch the X-Files again when we picked Hulu back up, but I don't know, it just hasn't really caught. And that's weird how binge-watching works sometimes, you know, because, you know, sometimes you're just in the mood for something and it just works and you just take off like a rocket and sometimes you don't. And I think... I want to say it was that Seven of Wine podcast, because I gave that a try, and I listened to their take on Caretaker, which is Star Trek Voyager's pilot, and I really enjoyed it, so then I watched it, because, you know, I listen to a bunch of podcasts about TV shows, but I don't actually watch the episodes they talk about, so I watched it, and then I just kept watching it, and, like, I really think Voyager is really underrated. It's probably a dorky thing for me to say, so, you know, nerd alert, nerd alert, but, you know, there it is. It's good. I like it. It had potential. It has tons of potential. It does interesting things. Like, people say, like, people weren't really that impressed with the Kazon in the first two seasons as bad guys. They were more impressed with the Vidians, and I kind of agree with that, but I also think, like, there's so much about Voyager that's interesting but you also kind of see the outlines of something really, really great. You know, like it could have just, it was like just a half step short of just doing something amazing, which is not a bad place to be in retrospect. And I love how in the early seasons, like they really lean into the techno babble, and a lot of the episodes are kind of them working as a team to solve whatever crazy problem. Um, they're dealing with at that time and what was the episode there was an episode where i think it was the one where they i think it was the one where harry kim like dies and they take like the duplicate harry kim but i think they based that concept off of like an actual paper like an actual astrophysics paper from kent state and they referenced the paper in the episode which is so cool so there, it was very sciency, like hard sciency. It had a hard sciency feel in the in the early seasons that I really like, and I think I think Seska was a good villain. Villain, and then kind of the third season is really where it kind of really there's like a really great stretch in the back half of the third season that I just loved. That they just hit on all cylinders, so good, you know, and. Distant Origin in the third season, which is the the sort of reverse reverse Galileo. Well, look, it's dorky, but bear with me. The concept is is that there's a race of reptilian aliens who are very advanced technologically, and their theory of evolution is that they come from a distant planet called Earth, and they're looking for proof, and and. Obviously, they find proof because they find Voyager, but they can't convince the authorities that what they've got going on is real. And it's just, it's just great. Really great. Like, I could watch that episode all the damn time. That's how great it is.
So yeah, that's kind of what I'm into at the moment. We're getting down to the end here. I hope. I hope we're getting to the end. Ooh. What do we got here? What's on my wish list for whiskey? I guess that'd be the other thing I could talk about. Well, mellow corn is kind of on my wish list. And in terms of single malts, I'd really like to get a hold of a Lowlands single malt or a Campbelltown single malt because those are two regions that I don't think I hit up yet. Like I've had a scotch from kind of all over the place, but um, I want to get a hold of a Lowlands scotch to just kind of see what that region's all about. Mm. This is good stuff. I can't believe I've been talking about it for 21 minutes now. 21 minutes! There it is. This is going really well, as you can tell. <sighs> so as we get to the end of this first of our last drams, I've got a few things, a few bottles that I'll probably throw up on man scratch that so we're getting to the end i'm going to be more organized next time because this was totally extemporaneous i'm just kind of field testing this app and seeing how it works but i'm going to be a bit more organized and coherent next time i promise that's one two i don't know i think we might try and get a buddy or something on here that way i have someone to talk to you don't have to listen to me babble at you for 20 minutes um What else? What else can I tell you? Yeah, dead air. It's always good on podcasts. But in general, going forward, going to be a little bit more organized, a little bit more coherent, a little bit more of a format, I hope. Probably going to try and keep these episodes to... 25 30 minutes because I feel like that's a good length of time to be honest I don't like the sound of my own voice that much and you probably don't at this point either so this is a work in progress we will get better um, yeah that's really kind of about it we're kind of almost at the end here can't really think of anything else I want to say. I'll tell everybody where to plug in to plug in and follow me on social media and stuff like that in the outro. And then we'll get this puppy posted. See what the reaction is. So mm. Oof, this was a solid single malt. Ooh. I need a pop of water for this. Feeling this a little bit. Well, we're down to the last sip. So, Tomatin 12 year old single malt. If you're in the market for a single malt, this is a pretty good one to buy. If you're a beginner and you're just kind of looking to break in, I would also recommend this one too. Um, Isla's. 
like I see the appeal of Isla's, but at the same time, if you're just looking to get started and you want a good entry point into single malt, I really think you can't. This is a good solid choice, I think. So, last sip here. That's it. We're done. Tomatin, 12-year-old single malt, signing off. Hey, thanks for listening to The Last Dram, a small little podcast about whiskey and the wonderful life that comes along with drinking it. You can find me online at litcityblues.com where I blog. I'm currently on hiatus, but I'll be back July 5th. You can follow me on Twitter at litcityblues. You can find me on Reddit at the same username, you backslash litcityblues. If you want to read some of the books I've written, there are two out there in the world, The Prisoner and the Assassin, and its sequel, The Arrows of Defiance, are available at all major ebook retailers. And that's it, kids. Stay thirsty, drink whiskey, to your health. <laughs>